tells you what the, the solutions closed right. in there. But let's say a person's very lonely, right? Because he's constantly needing. What is the solution? To be alone. The being alone is a is a is a solution for loneliness because if he was alone, he would work on himself and why he needs to be so dependent on people. Welcome to From the Inside Out. I'm Rifka. And I'm Ida. We're mums, wives, entrepreneurs, and friends on a mission to change the world for the better, one conversation at a time. Through interviews with world-renowned thinkers, leaders, and our everyday heroes, we bring you wisdom, insight, and practical tools that can change your life for the better. We believe that every experience provides us with an opportunity for learning. Our job is to be patient with the process of growth and trust that our journey will lead us to where we're meant to be. Words can inspire us, but it's only once we channel that inspiration into action that we begin to experience the positive change we want to see in the world. We hope this platform will inspire you to create positive change in mind, body, and soul from the inside out. Thank you for being here and let the conversation begin. Today's episode is sponsored by Pick and Tell. Yeah. com. We're going to share the link in the podcast notes. This is a brand that um, I was recently introduced to, and I love that we get to bring in these new brands that maybe many of you haven't yet heard of, but that are really great. Yeah. They have a great line of of impression perfumes that are very popular. So my favorite one is the Baccarat. It's just, it's an amazing perfume. It really is, but it's just really pricey. And I don't know that it's worth breaking the bank for it, but it's amazing. And so what's cool is that Pick and Tell has this scrub that I got that smells exactly like this perfume, but you're not breaking the bank. Yeah, the scrub is great. That's what I've tried. And yeah, um, like if you like good scents. Pick and Tell also has a full line of fashion jewelry and fine jewelry, a growing line of fine jewelry. And so, yeah, they have the scrub, the jewelry. Um, they have a beautiful website. And next month, they'll be opening the first physical store in Flatbush in Brooklyn. So for our podcast listeners, um, if you visit the website, you can get a 15% off discount. Use the code inside out, um, capital letters, caps lock inside out for 15% off and uh, head over to pickandtell.com, P-I-C-N-T-E-L-L.com and follow them on Instagram at pickandtell, P-I-C-N-T-E-L-L. Yes. And if you want to be a sponsor um, of any of our upcoming episodes for someone's birthday, for someone's yard site, for your company, for anything you want to promote or share, please reach out to us at rifkaandida at gmail.com. We would love to partner with you. Before we go into listening to Gadalia and how he transformed his life, we wanted to share with you now going into 2023, a couple of things that have changed us over this past year reflecting. Think about how this past year went for you. Did you have a good year? Did you have a challenging year? Whatever it is, I think most people will say that there's been ups and downs, but usually someone might say like it's been a challenging year or actually this year has been a good year. For me, um, I had an interesting experience because this past year has been a challenging year for me, I guess, relative to the years before that. I just decided that I would put together a little slideshow of some of the highlights of the year. So as I was putting together the slideshow, I couldn't believe how many beautiful moments there were that I'd forgotten about. 
all these things. I, I kept thinking it's crazy how our minds are wired. If I give you, and I've said this before, five compliments and one insult, we're just, you're just remembering the insult for some reason. And we could change that. Making that slideshow for me totally shifted how I understood this year. Yes, it was challenging, but there were beautiful moments. And with any day, with any year, you can choose to, to highlight the stuff that didn't work or the stuff that did work. And the more you focus on this, the beautiful moments, the more beautiful moments you'll actually see and manifest. And Jay Shetty um, actually shared a great tip that we started doing. He said, um, once a week, we, we're going to try doing it every day. You just take a jar and post-it notes and you write down something good that happened or like a, a, a beautiful moment because you could find something good in each day. And then you you put it in the jar. And then at the end of the year, you read them all. Like you read the, the different papers and you see how many beautiful moments you had. I like that. Have so, you done so that? I just, well, I just saw this video. I posted it on social media yesterday and uh, we did it yesterday. That's such yeah. a great idea. I love that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right, everyone, get a jar. And they look forward to it. And it's not something you're grateful for. This is what I was a little bit confused about at first. It's not something you're grateful for. It's something good that happened that day. Something good that happened that day. I actually think it would be good to read it once a week. It's empowering, like then to go to the next week. You know what I mean? Or maybe when you're having a rough day, then you could just pull a few out and review them. So this past year, I have been learning more. And I would say learning more in the way of Hasidus. I, I, when I get up early in the morning, that's one of the things that I do. And what I've been learning has definitely helped me apply this concept that um, I'm about to share. And that is uh, going beyond myself. What's helped me realize that I can go beyond myself is knowing that I have God within me, that I have infinity within me. So I have that capability to go beyond myself And that God actually appreciates when I do. Like the only way we can really grow and be um, bring out our potential is by pushing ourselves and going beyond what the limitations that that we naturally think we are capable of. Just to share, like for an an example, well, Ida and I we shared this in one of our episodes. We traveled to Dubai together um, to do an event where we sang and spoke, and we gave a talk on on the power of women. Um, throughout our history and the things that they overcame. Well, first of all, in just that in itself, going on this trip and doing something new, we both spoke and sang together. And this was something new that we did. And we weren't sure that it was how it was going to come out and if it was going to, you know, actually resonate with the women. It was, it was a scary thing to go and do. And we were getting paid to do it. Um, and we did it and we felt really good energy there. Uh, so that was really, I felt like we were going beyond ourselves by going and doing this. You know, like they often say, seeing is believing, but really believing is seeing, right? If you believe you'll start to see the changes, but you have to believe first that it's possible and believe in those possibilities. And then things start to change for you. Don't wait, like don't wait to see something to start believing it. Um, you might be waiting forever if you do that. So that's right. It could be scary. You don't know if you're actually going to achieve what you want to achieve. But um, I've started and I feel like I've pushed past my comfort zone and to do it. And uh, I I pray that I have success, but it's a good feeling to go beyond yourself and try something new that be honest with yourself that you actually perhaps have the potential to do it. 
Right. It reminds me of the quote, it always feels impossible until it's done. And I think we also have to define what capable means. Sometimes we feel like we're unqualified, meaning we can't do something. But it's not that we're unqualified, it's just that we haven't put in any of the work. And being good at something doesn't necessarily mean that it comes naturally to you. That's a really big lesson that I learned this year is that I let go of of any, I let go of having to know anything. And I think of Abraham, right? Think of Abraham sitting in his tent and imagining an airplane flying in the sky. It's unfathomable. It does, it's, it's so far-fetched that you can't even imagine in that time that there would be a, an airplane with 300 people in it flying in the sky. And yet we're, we're living in the same earth. We're on the same planet. And all of these possibilities that once seemed like ludicrous or impossible are actually happening. And if you think about the future, like who knows what's going to happen in a hundred years from now, right? What kinds of things will be available to us? You know, flying cars, I hope, right? That'd be cool. Um, <laughs> flying, self-flying cars, right? I mean, just think about it. It's, it's not so far-fetched. And that's how we have to view our lives. We can't claim to know the unknowable. So let God do that part. And your job is to just, you're an explorer. You're doing research, you're collecting data, you're exploring opportunities. The sky is the limit. Don't limit yourself. Your only limitation is your imagination. That's another quote. Unless you believe that you can go beyond yourself, you're not going to actually see in front of you these opportunities to go beyond yourself because it's not something that you think is for you. But when you start to believe it, you see it and then you start to grow and go beyond yourself and also experience a lot of blessings and see them. Right. And when you, when we say beyond yourself, what it means is just beyond the world of measurement. Right. And I love this whole thing about how, you know, we're born, we're measured, right. We're on a chart, you know, what percentile we fall into for growth, for height. Relevant. Everybody's so unique in their own way that comparison is just, that was the inspiration for, for my children's book. Um, Sarah Dreamer, because she's constantly, she wants to be a cheetah because cheetahs are so fast. She wants to be a tree because trees are so strong and tall. And then her mother tells her, be mindful of, of what you're thinking. Don't want, you could, you don't have to be a cheetah to draw from the lessons a cheetah can teach you. Like you should run quickly to help someone in need. That's when you use your speed or you should, you don't, you don't have to be tall to stand tall when it counts, you know, to be, to stand in, to stand your ground when there's something you believe strongly in. So we could, we should learn from each other without having to compare ourselves to each other. And Ida, didn't you, don't you feel like I am just thinking about you, you wrote this book this past year, but you, you also graduated and that's something that you did that you wouldn't have thought you were able to do. You went beyond yourself. I never thought I'd graduate. (laughs) (laughs) I just didn't think I could do it. so but somewhere the thing you, I guess you did believe you could because you well, were doing I mean, it. It's all part of this whole idea. Yeah. Like, don't second guess yourself. I mean, I, I didn't get, I didn't pass anything in grade school. I mean, I got D's and F's. So the notion, even my mother will tell me like, it's, it's, she can't believe it. Even she's like, wow, this is beyond anything I would have thought you, you would end up doing. Um, I was not into that even, I wasn't even interested in that. Um, 
So here's the thing I want to just share, because I think it could get confusing when I say, oh, step outside your comfort zone, try different things. But there's so many options for things to try. Like, well, what am I going to try if anything could be possible? And what I would say to you is when something does come up, because things will come up if you're open to, you know, the channels, right? Or people suggesting things like, how do you know what to say yes to? How do you know what to say no to? It's hard to know. So what I like to do is I have this method of asking myself, what will I say that I should have done if I'm looking back at that moment, right? So very often in social situations, I, t- I tend to get a little bit uh, nervous. And afterwards, I usually will think of what I could have said, what I should have said. So I think about that. And so I, I like to look into the future and ask myself, what would what will I say I should have done? So it's an interesting perspective. Yeah, that's cool. Those are the things you do. So take opportunities. Like, well, what's the worst that can happen? Look back at the year. Are there opportunities that you missed out on because you were afraid or nervous or worried? Um, that's cool. I like that. I mean, it's kind of, you don't want to look back. You know, it's like, don't look back. You're not going that way. But I guess it, it, that's in the negative. You want to look back. Um, how can I do this better? What? How can I learn from this experience? Um, right. I, something else I just want to say about going beyond yourself, because we've been talking about the positive and like the action step that, you know, just taking that leap of faith. But there's also going beyond yourself and resisting. Like I feel like this past year um, I was working on the thing, the personality traits um, of kind of like, let's say if with my kids of just kind of breathing through something, not um, like holding back. And then you see, wow, I was able to stay calm in this situation. I was able to um, work on some flaw that I, that I feel that I could work on by resisting, by like holding back. So I think you can also go beyond yourself with resistance. Wait, let me make sure I understand it. Because you're saying that you don't have to act the way you feel all the time. You can be above that. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. And yeah. still be effective. Yeah. And that's kind of changing. That's going beyond your natural state of being. You're working right. on yourself. So you're going beyond right. yourself. Right. And that's hard to do. Yeah. Actually, there's another quote now that I just remembered is don't make a permanent decision based on a temporary emotion. I can, I can feel one way and say something as though I'm not feeling that thing. You have to trust your body. Yes. Like there's this very subtle balance here. You want to listen to your body, but you also want to check it. I can't tell you like this time, I don't know if it was last year, but certainly not so long ago, the idea of saying any prayer in the morning was very overwhelming because I, I don't read quickly. It takes me a while, especially in Hebrew um, in mornings, I, there's just so much to do. I feel like that's when my mind is most, you know, ready to get like real work done and to stop. And it was just almost not fathomable that I would be able to do that, that I couldn't do that. And then, but now I'm telling you, I look forward to it, but maybe not in the beginning, like when I feel like, oh, I have to do it. But the minute I open that book and I start saying the pitol, something happens. And I've been doing it enough where I could tell you now, like the, I've seen the benefits, not even understanding why or how it works. Well, Ida, I'll tell you what it is. Cause you said, you don't know what it is. It's that you're connecting to your essence, which 
is what you need in the morning in order to bring that out in everything that you do. Right. But I would imagine your gratitude and things like that make sense. This is something where I don't understand the words, um, but there's something beyond, see, that's part of going beyond yourself, something beyond what I understand. But I trust that this is something that because our tradition for, you know, thousands of years, it's been ongoing and it's, and I trust our mentors the Rebbe, and I believe that this is the right thing. It's made a huge difference. And I think one of the best parts is that when I say my oldest son's capital, which is now your test, because he's 18, you say like, you say the next one. Um, I think of him and then I remember to call him Yeah, because he's in Israel. So he's seven hours ahead. So it's the best time to call him. And so now we talk pretty much every single day because that remind, that's my reminder when I say his capital. Yeah, I know what you mean. I know. So I, you know, I've been doing the same. I feel like we, we, um, have been inspiring each other. And well, now you got me the sitter. For my yeah. Birthday. I got, I got Ida translated sitter for her birthday. <laughs> it's right here in front of me now. So that's next. Time I yeah. I like to heal him started to become really a part of my life. And I feel like the sitter, I was always saying it without really understanding the brachas and what it means. So I got myself a translated sitter and I got Ida one as well, but, um, yeah, what you mentioned about the covering of the hair, um, a way one of the ways that I started going beyond myself is that you know I work out every every morning and um, you don't have to necessarily cover your hair in front of other women, but I felt like I wanted to take that on, like wear um, cover my hair with a cap or or a scarf, just because like I've been I've taken on more like I got a lace top and lace front wig now, so that no hair is showing. I, you know, I have a widow's peak. So I used to show a little bit, but now I'm wearing a lace top and lace front, which I love. So I feel like I'm really fulfilling the mitzvah of covering my hair. And I actually enjoy wearing a little scarf in my workouts now because it represents me going beyond myself and taking on something new for the sake of, for the sake of doing the good, the sake of doing the mitzvah, even though I don't understand it fully, just through learning, I've come to appreciate that covering my hair brings so many blessings to my life and I feel it. So, um, yeah, that is something that, which is a big deal for me because I've gone through different stages where I found it very difficult, but it's the same thing. I'm doing the same thing. Like it was difficult then and it should be difficult now, but it's not because I appreciate it. Right. And even though covering your hair, like in in our episode with Rufus Lennon, she said, you know, it's Kabbalah's all, meaning we do it because it's a biblical commandment. I find that beyond that, when you do something that you don't understand, that almost seems counterintuitive, um, you transcend yourself. You go, you go through this process of self-transcendence. It's also that I was actually learning that like, when we do something, like you said, Kabbalah Sulfur, just for the sake of doing it, that really connects us to Hashem. Because even Hanukkah that we just experienced, that's what the Greeks wanted us to do, is like, they were fine with us doing Torah Mitzvah, just because we understand it, like we can rationalize it. But when we do something beyond rationale, we're actually living the Hanukkah miracle. I, I really believe that when you see someone overcome and go beyond themselves, it helps you go beyond yourself too. And so I value that in our friendship, that we both are able to see each other going beyond ourselves and that inspires us and helps us to keep going. I feel the same way. And I 
And I've learned another thing I've learned, I guess I can add another thing is that it's so important to surround yourself with people who bring out the best in you, people that you know care. Um, they don't have to be perfect. You know, I'm not the perfect friend. I don't keep, I'm not good at, I'm, I'm terrible at keeping in touch sometimes. Um, but the friends I do have, you know, they're very deep and good friendships where we know that we'd be there for each other in, in, in hard times. And just to, to, to make an effort to surround yourself with people that you admire in some way, um, that you, yeah, that you can learn from, or can, that can learn from you. Um, and that believe in, in your potential. Yeah. Believe in you and care and that, you know, when they criticize you, it's constructive and it's because they love you. Right. So this episode and hopefully this year uh, should be about self-transcendence and going beyond ourselves and seeing what we are capable of doing. And I think that Gedalia Fencer is a great person to have on our platform that represents self-transcendence and he's applied it in his life and he's, he tells us how in, uh, in practical ways that we can uh, apply in our lives. He shares it in a way that, that is simple and straightforward. Um, and I love his quotes. You know, if you listen to our podcast, we always end with a quote and we love quotes and he brings whatever he learns together into a quote, which is very practical. And you feel like, hey, I can actually take this quote and apply it. He was inspired through Breslov and Ira and I are Chabad women. And, you know, I am very much inspired, an inspired Chabad woman. Like I learned both learn Hasidus and we are, that's the way that we grow through Hasidus. And it was interesting to me to listen to another perspective and to see the similarities and the differences. And I think that's important for us to be able to listen to other people's approaches and see what inspires them and what speaks to us that we can take on to be inspired by. Your name has kind of become synonymous with spiritual teacher, motivational speaker, spiritual leader. And what I find interesting is that you also happen to be a, a successful entrepreneur. So how did you get here? Can you tell us a little bit about the before, uh, maybe the Gedalia before and the Gedalia 2.0? I mean, I, I grew up and I was born in Colombia um, around 21, 22, uh, living in South Florida. Uh, basically, I was, thrown, I was a club promoter, uh, fell into a very, very bad gambling addiction, um, which... I had a very, very, uh, you know, get rich or die trying Miami lifestyle, you know, typical uh, lifestyle that you'd see. Um, and then I really, really hit rock bottom, uh, spiritually, mentally, emotionally. I was not really connected much. My parents kept Shabbat, but it was more of a, you know, tradition. Uh, and then I really, really just, had, it was, I was in a very, very dark place. And then I found a book uh, by Rabbi Nachman's teaching called Advice. Um, and basically in that book, Advice, spoke about the connection between uh, sexual purity and, and happiness and and how that's connected to financial lo losing money. So basically from that book is really where everything changed. There's one, one book from Rabbi Nachman called Advice. Uh, I was begging God to give me the, the right advice. I got the right advice. And from there is where I started learning, learning Rabbi Nachman's teaching. Um, and then basically from that, really everything else just came. You know, then I started little by little just learning his teachings, you know, with no intentions of anything. So I was learning the teachings for 15 years. Um, and then all of a sudden, I was listening to, I was just, somebody was teaching class 
and a breath suspender that we opened up. And basically, you know, the guy really didn't have any emotions, any any passion when he was teaching. It was just, you know, just, uh, you know, typical, uh, unfortunately, we see today that a lot of people, they, they don't really have that, that much energy in, in spirituality. So I said, let me take over. <laughs> I can't listen to this. Let me take over. And after I took over, we recorded one class. And next thing you know, here we go, the beginning of a speaking career five, six years ago. Um, so that's where it really, really changed. In that time, also, I went through a divorce. Um, my son had cancer the first time. So it was, it was a major, major transition, a lot of pain uh, I went through. But ultimately, Rav Nachman allowed me to turn that pain into growth. Um, and today, I'm, uh, today I, you know, I, I'm very fulfilled today. I, I, you know, I got remarried uh, you know, 11 years ago. Uh, thank God I have three more kids. Um, you know, I own rehab centers, I own public adjustment companies, and I have my daily podcast. That, you know, thank God it's done really, really well. We have 50,000 followers a day. It's like people don't care what you know until they know that you care. That kind of, right. you know, it's like, come on, just show me that you care. The spirituality is what changed for you. Did that change your personality? Like, how did that change you as a person? Well, this is something where I, why I, I, and I ask myself, why am I, why is my podcast probably one of, probably the, one of the most popular podcasts you say today? And I'm not a rabbi because I'm talking when I'm, when you're dealing with somebody and I don't know if you guys work out um, or you guys, okay, you guys work out, but you guys know that 80% is diet, 20% is the gym pretty much. Right. I mean, you can't outwork your diet. So there's certain things that guys do that no matter what they do, those, those become such a problem that they block everything else. And this is the area of sexual promiscuity, God forbid, and zero, all, all these things that are not really mentioned that Rav Nachman says, hey, this is what's disconnecting you. So I'm, I'm amazed today where you see, and, and this is what I'm doing, is fixing people in this area and then the rest, they take over. They, they, they're awakened because I'm hitting the right place. So Ramachman was very clear that if you don't fix the spiritual connection sexually, it's very hard to get. That's basically the gateway to spirituality. And, and today you see how the world is so immoral today. It's because of that area. You can't have immorality and spirituality at the same time. It doesn't exist. No matter what you try, no matter what, it, what theory they'll tell you, it's all nonsense. It, you, that's the number one thing that gets you cut off. So when I saw that, I'm like, what is a guy like me from Colombia all of a sudden getting a spiritual awakening? It's because I had control of that area of the planet. So that area really, really caused everything else to flourish in my life, such as the way I was thinking. I was much happier. I was, But I never knew that that had such an effect on my life. So that one area, once you, tap, once you started becoming more spiritual, helped in all other areas as well. Sure. Yeah, it's never the, the problem is never the light. The problem is the vessel. It's never a lack of light. It's God's light is and, and there's no limit to the light. It's just we don't have a vessel. And there's certain right. things that we that destroy our vessel. So I don't really talk to people about Torah unless, hey, we need to work on just like you're working out. You're training the guy and he's training, he's not getting results because his diet's terrible. So I I could take. The good thing I have is I'm able to really, really get to the bottom line. Like, what's the, what's the bottom line? What do we need to do? Let's get it done. And then automatically momentum comes in. Was there a lot of other turmoil going on in your life at that time? Is that when you got divorced, the before part? I was divorced. I was divorced 11 years ago. 
So in, 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 before I started teaching the classes, I did go through a very tough time. My son got cancer the first time. I did went through a divorce and my, my business got regulated. So that basically put a lot of fire in me. Um, I was complaining for two years. That's another thing how I got to his boat the dudes, which we'll talk about later. But I, I went through a very, very tough time where three things happened at the same time. It was just, it was, the darkness was unbelievable. And one of the things Rav Nachman speaks about is talking to God, which is called his bodhidut. And I'm reading Bessel for 10 years, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not really doing it because it was very uncomfortable. Um, you know, I didn't know what to say. Just, you know, we don't have the head for it at the end of the day. And all of a sudden, that forced me into doing his bodhidut. And all of a sudden, I, for six months, while I was going through that challenge, I recognized that the first six months, things got worse. But because, you know, listen, if I'm going to believe in Rabbi Nachman about the Tikkun Akhlali, about then I have to also believe him about what he says about his talking to God. I can't just pick and choose what I want. So then I, I all, all of a sudden went pretty much all in on, on having a daily conversation with God, which I think I had already for the past uh, 16 years. Um, and that basically now fueled my speaking career. That gave me the, 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 gave me the, the light to start speaking and to connect to people. And to, I just, I had a completely different awareness when I started having a conversation with God. It was just a completely different awareness. I was able to read people, see people, um, see what they were missing. It just got me to another level. Once you tapped into spirituality, did that help bring you business success? Yes. Again, if we don't have a good relationship with money, then obviously if, if things don't go our way, the first thing we're going to do is abandon God. So this is where you see such a problem. People are thinking, well, if I have money, I'm God's blessing me. If I don't, God's punishing me. So we, we have a very immature mentality uh, with, with money and how we, could, how we see money. So I, I like to focus more on the consciousness of money. Um, you know, instead of looking for money, being in a place of abundance. And then usually when you're in a place of abundance and you're happy, things come to you that you don't even ask for. Do you feel that to achieve like transformation the way you did, that a person has to reach rock bottom? Like, is there a way of tapping into it without going through the struggle? Right. You know, it's, 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 it's almost, I, I think it's so difficult uh, because the, the only way you really get to bittle, which is surrender, is when you get to pain. I mean, and I think we all have to go through it. We all have to go through some kind of pain. And if you accept pain, it becomes growth. And if you don't accept pain, it becomes suffering. Uh, but I think pain, uncertainty, and constant change are, are non-negotiable. I think those three things, no matter where you go, what neighborhood you live, how you dress, how religious you are, you're going to have to deal with pain, uncertainty, and constant work. It's all ultimately it's to avoid. It's ultimately to avoid the bread of shame, because ultimately when you get too comfortable, you end up becoming bored, and and you end up, you know, I know people in recovery. A lot of people in recovery because they had no meaning in their life. You know, when you when you have pain, your prayers are different. Pain also pierces the ego. It opens up perspective, it makes you humble, it makes you vulnerable. You know, it, it, you you understand other people's pain. It makes you the trick, a better. The person. trick is the trick is like you say to take the pain, recognize its pain and do something about it rather than being right. stuck in it. Correct. Or, or living, living with self-pity and, and, and just you have to, you know, there's the reason pain, every, every opportunity for pain is opportunity for growth. So when you're running away from pain, you're going to run away from growth. And if you don't have faith, pain, you're going to have a hard time with faith. So you can see the whole, it's all, all spiritually based at the end of the day.
Right. So when you're in that pain, there's nothing new under the sun that I've seen. Yeah. Just it might seem like it when people are in their pain, it seems like, oh, this is something new, but there isn't anything new. So we have to understand. We have to understand that we, first of all, we have tools. Number two, you have to understand how your brain works. Your brain works on rationality. So your brain's always going to say, why? Why me? And who did it? So if you get stuck in why me and who did it, you, you, you got a membership. You know, our brains are not there to make you happy. They're, they're there to rationalize. Why is this happening? Who and why? So most of us, our whole lives, we get stuck in the why and who. That person, why is it happening to me? And who did it to me? So as long as you're stuck in why and who, pretty much, how are you going to get out of it? This is what's very important. We have tools that, you know, Hasidus teaches us, Bittal, surrender. Um, you know, we have prayer. We have so many tools that we have in our hands that we're not using it. Uh, we only use it when it's good. But those are the tools you need. Or bitahon. Bitahon is being able to think greater than you feel and not need to certainty. You know, we have spaces of consciousness we can go to that we don't have to live uh, below you know, in, in, in this life, we can go above it. We can look, go definitely go above it. You, you've had some very trying times. And if anyone sure. can share this, it's you because you've lived through a lot of pain. For example, if you could share a little bit about your grief, the grief and loss in your life and tell us how you worked through the rough experience you had with the loss of your son at a very young age. Right. So that was that was definitely, definitely a very, very tough time. Obviously, that was a he was in a hospital for a year and a half. And again, I, I ultimately at the end of the day, I did everything I can. Everybody prayed for him. And there was a time sometimes in heaven, there's a time for everything. Um, and you have to understand that I, he was a, such a simple, beautiful kid that, you know, he, he did his mission in this world. You know, Rabbi Nachman died at 38. You know, Rizal died. And sometimes we just have a mission. We have a mission in this world we have to accomplish, and the mission's gone. It's and so we look at death and permanent and something completely different. But the 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 Hasid, they don't look at that. They look at it as missions. Mission's gone. When Nachman even said death, he compared death from going to from your living room to your bedroom. We look at it as we have a certain amount of attachment and grief and all that. It, again, it's it's the way we think. But obviously, it's your son. It's a, it was a tremendous loss, and I was able to work through it through through prayer. Of course, there's a time of grief, and there's a time to let go. There's a time to let go, and and at the end of the day, I have to ask myself, what would my son want? Me to feel sorry for him all day long, or me to do things in his name? And we, you know, we, we've done so many things in his name, and I'm sure he's smiling in heaven. But this whole world is temporary. It's not, you know, it's too. We have to also understand that this, there's an illusion that this world is, is here forever. No, it's all temporary. It's all temporary. And that's also a good way to, to live, the day, go through the day-to-day without taking everything so personal. I'm like, well, I'm, so, I'm so sorry for your loss. And your you. son's Neshama should have a great aliyah. Amen, amen, amen. And all the things that you do in his memory, even this conversation now, amen, um, amen. should bring him a great aliyah. Amen, amen, amen. But the, oh, yeah, you when you go when you get tested with this, you get tested with everything. You get tested with everything. This is not uh, the way you do anything is the way you do everything, and that's where I, I, I say to myself, let me have the same intensity as business. Oh, one second, say that again. The way you the do... way you do anything is the way you do everything. Right. So if you that's want great. to be successful in business, be successful spiritually. Wake up early to pray. 
You know, you want to work out, work out with the same intensity. So I try to use that same formula across the board. So if I'm going to work out intense, then I have to pray intensely. I can't just choose what I want and not choose what I want. So I've, I've seen that when you when you set the tone for the whole, you know, it's one thing is if you all of a sudden the guy's intense in business and when it comes to Dalvin, he throws the bucket, he has no, he has no energy. So that that does that doesn't look good in heaven because it shows your priorities are business, not spirituality. But when you're able to have the same intensity across the board, then what's the problem? Well, then there's probably more consistency. There's consistency, and you treat it the same. You you recognize one is not more important than the other. But what if a person says, "Okay, I really have it together in this one area of my life, let's say my career, but I don't have another area together, let's say finances or family or you know." whatever other area, what would you say to them from that lens? So that, it's also, you're also never going to have everything. That's not, that's a hundred percent. You're also not going to have everything. Um, one of the Ramachman's main teachings was a teaching called a Zamra. A Zamra means I will sing with what I have. So you, it's your job to focus. You know, some of us have, you know, 80% of our life. Amazing. 20% needs work, but we focus on the 80% and we show up with gratitude. Yes, 20% needs work. But I'd rather not be the guy with 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 80, focusing on the 20% that's bad and not seeing the 80% that's good. So yes, there is tons. We're not we're not saying you're not gonna have issues, we're not saying we're not gonna have shell and bite. Life is a complete ladder, you know, it, it, everything. But where do you, where are you focusing on? Where are you focusing on? Where where is your focus? Where's your gratitude? And it's something you have to practice. You have to practice this. You have to be, you, again, just like working out, you have to practice it. You have to focus on it. And you do that constantly by creating a daily ritual of prayer. Without prayer, if you, if you ask my honest opinion, there is no real change of consciousness. I don't care how smart you are. I don't care how much you know. God can open up your mind and he can close your mind. What I've seen the most in my life is through prayer, specifically is Bodhidu, talking to God. Have we seen the most change of consciousness? You see a lot of religious people, they're, they're very learned, but their energy is off. They're not, they're not, their energy and their wisdom are not matching. Yeah, I agree with that. I think even if we don't have every area of our lives, you know, maybe the way we want it to be, we could still be consistent about the way we show up. I feel like the people that I respect most are the ones who are consistent. I think that shows a certain authenticity about a person. Can you help someone become more motivated or does it have to come from the person themselves? I mean, you can, you can put him in a situation where if he doesn't get motivated, you know, he's going to remember every decision we make is based on two principles, avoiding pain and gaining pleasure. So let's say, for example, a guy is not motivated to work on his marriage. Okay. So it's very hard to be nice to your wife. So let's say right now he doesn't have the motivation. So what do you need to do? You you, here we're dealing with desire. So how do you get him to be motivated? So you tell him, listen, if, you, if this marriage continues like this for five years, there's a good chance some, some other guy's going to be taking care of your kids. Uh, is there a good chance that, um, you know, you, how, how, how does that look like to you? So sometimes you have to use leverage to change people. And what do you mean by that? Leverage is creating a situation. For, for Let's say you don't like working out. Okay, well, let's say you have a sugar, let's say you have a, a diabetes, okay? And you say, you know, I don't care. I, I like eating sugar. But if, what, did I, what did I tell you that in another year, if you continue eating diabetes, if you continue eating sugar, it's either the chocolate cake or your left arm. 
Now, that chocolate cake now looks pleasurable to you. But now when you recognize that chocolate cake can cost you your left arm, that becomes painful. So what we do is we, we have to change associations to what we link pain versus pleasure to. That's interesting because so Rifka and I were talking about how changing, you know, if we could change someone that we let's say they're doing something that we feel like is not right or we want to help them, but you can you could bring a horse to water, but you can't make them drink, right? But then here you're offering a different perspective, meaning like just tell them something that well, you, you can, can hear you, it. Obviously, yeah. a person doesn't want to change is a self-esteem issue. You understand? There's always a self-esteem issue. Because when we have healthy self-esteem, we're humble and we're willing to do anything. You have healthy self-esteem. Your perspective is wide. You're willing to do anything for the greater, your greater self. When you have low self-esteem, you're basically choosing instant gratification versus delayed gratification. And the ego blocks perspective. So it's really the only way to really to get a guide sometimes to, you know, sometimes people may program. Okay, you don't want to work the program. You don't want to do this. Okay, no problem. So how would you like five more years in this program? How would you like to be in recovery for another five years? You don't want to listen to the class. It's painful. You're right. It is painful. But it's going to be more painful for you not to listen to it. Because in five years, you're going to be doing the same thing. So imagine five more years of this recovery. Yes, and that does. And that, and that triggers them to get motivated? It, it, allows, it allows to change what they link pleasure to, to pain. You understand? Right. Now, the whole point is you're making a decision based on pain versus pleasure. So for me, if I if you if you stop exercising because you think it's painful, and I told you, listen, you know, you're going to gain about thirty pounds in five years. You're going to be weak. You're going to be tired. So you're going to link not working out as painful now. It's not going to be pleasure. But now, when you know, I'd rather take the pain now, which is going to become pleasure, than avoid the pleasure, than avoid pain, which is going to end up becoming real pain. What we do is we create leverage. You can create leverage to change. So this is a good way for us. Okay, I don't want to do this, but what happens if you don't do this for another two years? How much painful is that going to be? Is, so we, we that, did, yeah. it's pain versus pleasure. It's a link, you're linking specific, you're linking specific things to get a person to, to to boost will. You have to also have the opportunity to be able to tell them. Sometimes they don't ask. Correct. Yeah, you can't help everybody. You can't. You can't help, believe me, you can't help everybody. So what we try to do is we try to get them to have momentum. And you can't help everyone. Obviously, you can't help them because the ego's job is to block perspective. The number one job of the ego is to block perspective, not to see there's anything. That's the number one job of the ego. So I, in my Torah class, there's a lot of tools. So there's not just the Torah class. Hey, this is, a, this, is a, this is the class. Okay, let's apply this. Most important thing is applying the wisdom. My whole thing is we need to apply it. How are we applying this today? We're not applying it today. Then we're just talking about the Parsha. Do you ever learn um, Chabad Hasidus? I, I do learn a little bit. And I go to a Chabad show. Rabbi Silverman is one of my rabbis in Harbor Islands. And, and, and I love, 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 love Rabbi Silverman. And, and for me, it's like two different languages because I've learned it for 20 years. My grandfather was actually a breast lover Hasid and he turned wow. Lubavitch. It's interesting. Wow. But there's a beautiful Sri Friedman, I believe you guys interviewed him a few days yes. ago. Yeah, yeah. That it's was beautiful. It's a, that book he wrote, those two books are, I mean, they're phenomenal on the quotes. Bringing, bringing heaven down to earth. Love it, love it. Yeah. I'm going to do the same thing for Breslau, though. Daily meditations, but for Rav Nachman's teachings with more emotion, etc. I, I think that's great. It's very similar in one way, but emotionally versus it's completely different. 
The two leaders, which is which is Rabbi Nachman and the Balatanya, they 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 got along, but they said our teachings are different. Right. <laughs> so they they did not say they they both and Rabbi Nachman did did predict that the Balatanya would be the leader of the thousands. He did predict that the majority of the fallen would be Bukhabad. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. But the Lubavitcher Rebbe learned with Rabbi Sfiarya Rosenfeld, and they learned they learned together. Rosenfeld brought Brussels to America, and the Chabad and the Lubavitcher Rebbe learned with them. We're right. all looking to be the best versions of ourselves, bring light into the world. Correct. The goal is the same. Correct. Correct. It's just a different way of getting there. So you said something in one of your classes about the Sahara. something like it knows your number. It knows how to, to trigger you. So for example, like you're trying to have children, you'll notice all the baby carriages, or if you're trying to get married, you know, you'll notice all the weddings that are happening. You know, if you're going through financial struggles, like you're going to notice the people who are financially probably doing well, I feel like we can all experience it on some level. So for someone who, let's say, has a strong Sahara and who Who's, let's say right. let's say they're moody. They have ups and they have downs. What do they need to hear? That's my. That's why my 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 morning devotions. I wake up every morning at four o'clock in the morning. Um, I wake up like that. My my I am my. I would say I'm a Scorpio, so I, I have intense moods. Not not normal moods. Intense, intense moods. So I I you know I I either sometimes with um, you know music breathing techniques. Um, sometimes I'll start with uh, dancing. I'll start with whatever it is to get me into flow. You understand? But many times it takes me time to get into flow. It's not something that my, I really wake up in a good mood. It's always that constant Yetzirah putting me, you know, breaking that resistance, breaking that resistance. And once you break that resistance, you, it's, it's pretty much the same thing as working out. Once you get into that flow state, you know, once you get into that pump and that flow state in the gym, it doesn't come right away. It takes time and you have to stretch and you have to go through the motions. But what, what I, most of my followers, what I, I, I have them all read this book called Let It Go by David Hawkins, which is, I, I strongly recommend that book. That book really, really gave me a, a huge, it's not a Jewish book, but it's, it's everything about Judaism. But it's, it was everything because I understood how much Things do not have to do with us. When people yell at you, when people scream at you, when people, nobody's letting go of the things. So what happens is, is because we don't let go, we're easily triggered. So the more easily triggered you are, the more you're holding in. I mean, I can never really anger you guys. If I, I can make you guys angry, unless you guys are holding some kind of unworthiness of, or some anger inside of you. It's not the comment. It's the comment that triggers your anger. Understand? So when we say that person made me angry, it's not true. You were angry. You got triggered. Because in a, if you just won a million dollars and somebody yelled at you and, and called you, you wouldn't care. It's not the comment. It's what you're holding inside. So I strongly recommend. This is why, again, this is why I'm, in, I'm such, I'm, I'm in such, I'm a big proponent of speaking things out and getting, letting go. Because if you don't let go, you're walking around with so much of yesterday's weight, the resentment and, 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 and it's not even about your husband didn't pick up the kids. It's just you, you have resentment from two weeks ago that he, he didn't stand up for you. And you're holding, that just becomes piled up. And next thing you know, he doesn't pick up the kids and you don't care about me. Blah, blah, blah. But one second, and, what happens if you let it out and let it go, but the other person hasn't done that? Like that would be hard so, if you're. So, so it, 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 you wouldn't take it personal. 
Who wouldn't? Oh, you're gonna whatever have the person. Your marriage, because at the end of the day, what does humility mean? Humility means not not thinking less of yourself; it's thinking of yourself less. Yeah, we love that quote. <laughs> not everything is about you, so I cannot control the way my spouse picks up. I cannot control if my husband has your husband has anxiety. I cannot control if this is going to happen. My mother's going to. Co- I can't control. What am I going to all of a sudden pray that the whole world should be calm around me so I should have a calm day? Then you're then you're finished. No, I was just saying the point that yeah. you said to let it out and then let go. So you've let it out. You let go. You feel better. But the other person may not appreciate that you've let no, it all just out. Just comment won't affect me. You understand? Right. Anger oh. binds you to that person. When you're angry, you're binded to that person. You're controlled by that person. So ultimately, what we want to do is we want to, we want to reach a state of equanimity where we're not affected so much by what the outside world. Now that's if you can get to that space, you, you hit you hit the home run. <laughs> Are you in that space? I'm in that space 85% of the time. It's a good, good that, number. That's, and, that's and, really good. <laughs> and, and, but think about it. You want me to wake up early, you want me to teach classes, you want me to help yeah. people. This is I have you think I have time giving away my energy? I right. can't. I can't afford it. The number one marriage killer is is resentment. Okay, that is the number one marriage killer. And that's because we don't have a system of letting go. If we all let go, if, we, if you lived your marriage like you were present every single day and your marriage was brand new, you wouldn't, you would, your marriage would completely look different. Bottom line. So these, this is an area where there's a lot of area for resentment. So if you don't have a system of letting go, there's, 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 you, I, if I don't do his bodhidu, I'm a different person today. I'm much easily triggered. Uh, I'm much more restless. I'm much more moodier. I'm much more not focused. I'm a different person. It's not whether I'm smart or not. It's did you did you let it out this morning or not? Well, you're worried. The worry here is being in a victim mindset. This is the worry. This is what you know. Mocham Katnut, which Breslov Chabad says the same thing. This is what we're. This is the danger right now. Is being in Mocham Katnut because in Mocham Katnut, you that's where you're going to end up doing. You know, the, the the problem began with the problem. Now that you have another problem, now you're smoking, now you're eating, now you gotta, you know, now you gotta deal with whatever happened after the Mokham Now you got a drinking problem. Now all of a sudden you got a drinking problem and you go, you still have to go back to the original problem. Do you understand? No matter where we go to, we still have to go to the original problem, wherever we go to. Right. There's a famous addictions and, and trauma expert who who said that addiction is not the problem. Addiction is the solution. Addiction is a solution to a problem that existed beforehand. And that's how they are choosing to deal with the problem through the addiction. And so the question we need to ask is not why the addiction. The question is really why the pain, because it's the pain that's like you said, is the original problem. So what is the original problem? After, after, for example, after my patients get clean, for example, let's say I have major anxiety and I use alcohol to use anxiety or marijuana. After I'm done with the alcohol, with the marijuana addiction or whatever it is, I still have to deal with my lack of trust in God. I still have to deal with the original issue, which is bitachon. There's not, not because the addiction's over, do I have this, is this problem fixed? Because ultimately with, with the whole program of being in recovery is for you to come out in, in a much higher consciousness. Ramnathan gives us a beautiful example. So if you take a guy who has, a, who has an addiction, like, you, you know, we, we, we break the matzah. Okay, he doesn't have addiction to, to, to weed anymore. He has an addiction to this. Now he's not addiction to gambling. If you don't change consciously, the addictions just change, change faces. 
It's only through prayer can you can you change your consciousness. If you think about it, for for example, let's say why a person would drink. Okay, let's say a person's feeling major anxiety. He's on a very low level of consciousness. He's feeling tremendous fears. All of a sudden, he takes two drinks. He walks into the place. He's the life of the party. What happened to him? What happened to him? What did those two drinks do? They didn't get him high, but they blocked the ego. They blocked the pain. So when you don't have, when you're doing the self-work and you work on the pain, then you, you can get high without even using anything. You can be confident in the room without needing a drink. If you worked on yourself, on those areas that had fears or, or, or social anxiety. Make sense? Do people, do people block the pain in ways that might appear to not be um, hurting the person? Like something that's good, but it's just a way to mask. Well, the pain. people, people either through again through either they let it out, they'll numb it, or they're medicated. There's right. three, four types of ways people usually block the pain. Is that? But again, that whole pain is supposed to get you to grow. To grow. Yeah. It's not to get you to to block it. And this is where today we're too easily, we're not, we're not, we're not, and, and, and even in, in everything else in life, the pain, the pain itself, the solution was he, that person needed a spiritual awakening. Let's say a person is, he's always telling everybody he's insulted. Okay. That is really, the, what's the solution there? That he should be less self-centered and work on his humility. The problem tells you what the, the solution is closed right. in there. But let's say a person's very lonely. Right, because he's constantly needing. What is the solution? To be alone. The being alone is a is a is a solution for loneliness. Because if he was alone, he would work on himself and why he needs to be so dependent on people. On people. So you, it's amazing in life how you actually see that the problem and the solution are right there. There, it's it's not outside; it's right there. So without work and without real deep contemplation, you can never see that. Before before I ask you this question, I want to ask: When you say deep contemplation, can you give an example? Let's say of this morning, what what would the deep contemplation entail? Like how what would them how would the meditation look? Mine mine would be talking to God first, being grateful, connecting to the energy of Kislev, connecting to the energy of miracles, connecting to the energy of um, uh, you know building that trust again with God. Cheshvan was more about hanging on. Every month there's a different there's a different energy. Yeah. So you know, every day there's a, there's a different challenge. There's a different thing going on, and you're know, right. like, but the the worst thing you can do is hold on to everything. That is for sure not going to help you. Yeah. Because then you become in a bad mood, and when you're in a bad mood, you treat other people the wrong way, right. and and that's what happens. We we, we affect everybody. When 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 you're not being conscious yourself, you now all of a sudden everybody becomes your problem. Your husband, this one's your fault. Remember, we, we always need to rationalize everything. So this is why we, you know, it's his fault why I'm angry. Instead of saying, what triggered me about that? So you have a really good track record with 85%. Is there, could you share, um, just walk us through your day? Like, what is your, what does a typical day look like for you? I, again, again, I would wake up at four o'clock in the morning. Right. Um, I would do, uh, I would learn, do Tikkun Atzot. Um, I would do his Bodhidut at that time. So right after you wake up, right after when you wake up, up. learn. Okay. I would do I would do a little learning, then praying outside my house, right on the intercoastal, um, and then basically after that, I would um, 
get again, maybe you know, depending on the time, you know, try to prepare for my class. Um, then I would go to the mikvah and go pray at, at nets, I would go pray at the sunrise. After sunrise, I would go, I would, I would, then that's where I'd give my podcast. Wow. And then after that, go to work, go work out, do what I have to do. Do you go to bed early? It's a very strong, 10 o'clock, 9, 10 o'clock. Okay. Wow. It's a very strong, very strong morning. That you actually almost... inspired me. I was just thinking this morning because I get up. We we're part of the five AM club. I will get up at five ish, but I was Beautiful. thinking this morning I need to get up at four. I feel like I need to get up at four. I don't know. I had to tell it this morning. <laughs> Rifka, you, you, you go to bed late. The clarity so. you have at that hour, the, the clarity that I have at that at those hours, you can't compare it. There's nothing to talk about. My whole life would be different if I went to sleep late and woke up late. It, it would just it would be a different life. I would tell you right now. It's just recently that I was going to bed a bit later, but generally I am in bed by nine, ten, by ten-ish. Anyway, it's great. But you, you're taking advantage of, of that, that quiet time. That's where you can really get, you can hear, you can do so much work at that hour. You know, but you guys are driven. You guys have a podcast. You have, you know, you're learning. It's not, you know, you, you have a goal. But the worst is not having a goal, not having anything. You know, what are you waking up to? So that's a problem. I mean, a lot problem. of people don't have a goal, and they're they're looking. But I feel like through prayer, that that's. It's a good place to start. You were sharing about goals. I want to bring up with you different areas of your coaching because that's what you do. Um, and if you can share some of your top tips for, for us, because we we like to share practical tips. Um, okay. So let, we, I, want to know, I wanted to start with spirituality and religion. And I love this quote that's on your website. It says, your life will change when you start questioning your thinking instead of your creator. Yes. Love that. That's, so that's how would life. you? Yes. Love it. Beautiful quote. You have great quotes. How would you inspire or advise someone busy, a busy person, to fit religion and learning into their lives? I think we have the answer ready. Get up at four a.m. <laughs> it's just it's 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 not we're not, we're separating religion and it's it's all gonna it's all one. There's not two. It's all one. Everything you see is godliness. It's, we seem to be separating. It's it's all oneness. My relationship with my but my wife is spirituality. My business is spirituality. Giving charity, working hard to give charity. Exercise could even be spirituality. It's all oneness. It's to, to be in a daily, in a mindfulness meditation the whole day. That's the key. To put godliness in your life. It's not a separate item. This is why people don't, don't understand. They, they have a very confusion. You're supposed to really have it all as one. By the way, that's Hasidus. That of course. Spiritual and physical are team players. It's all one. Oh, yeah. It's all it's all really oneness. It's a, it's it's a daily, but also you have to recognize. Listen, the mornings are times for clarity. The afternoons it's a tension. It's a time for you know constriction. You know, and the night is a time for a moon also. So there's also you know Hasidus allows you to tap into the hour of the state you're in. Um, you know, wow. and again, you just constant. You, there's no way to have new thinking without new information. So instead of you know, being upset by this thought, work on putting more wisdom. That's you know, a nice more, one. Yeah, more wi wisdom is the, it, wisdom is higher than thought because wisdom at the end of the day, you'll see, you'll see this as a common trend that every, every single time something happens in a person's life, there's always, always, it, they're replaying that event, correct? There's always, after anything that happens in your life, it's either you're angry, you're sad, you're, some kind of event happened and there's an ending emotion, Right. That, event, that emotion will constantly be replayed over and over again until you elevate it to wisdom. Wisdom is the memory without the emotion. 
Wait, say that again. Wisdom is the what? Memory without the emotion. Wow. Joe Dispenza said that, which is which is really the You said that? Joe Dispenza actually said that. But what that it's it's a huge concept because at the end of the day, the reason why I'm still bothered by an event is because I haven't elevated through faith to wisdom. If I once I elevate it to wisdom, I know I'm no longer replaying that over and over again. It's only replaying in my mind over and over again because I haven't settled, I haven't elevated that event. I haven't brought it to Chachma. I haven't elevated that event. Wow. You understand? Yeah. Something to meditate on. Yeah, something to meditate on. But don't you find that sometimes Bitachon is not about wisdom? It's really just a deep faith. Bitachon allows you, is the bridge to allow you to elevate the wisdom. Right, that's true. Because you're no longer resisting it. You're allowing it to happen. You're saying this is happening for me, not to me. So bitachon allows you to get into mocham gadot, which is wisdom. Without bitachon, you can never get there because you're basically you're 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 stuck on fear. Right. Whew. Interesting because also Hasidus, I guess, is different in the way that it starts with cham chachma, then goes to bina, then goes to das, then goes to action. You know what I mean? Right. But, but remember that the main concept of Hasidus is to go from mocham katnut to mocham katnut, go from a bad mood to a good mood. Right. In a practical way. That yes. is your whole task. Yes. Yeah. But not be in Mocham Katnut. Because when yeah. you're in Mocham Katnut, that's, that's, that's where the severities and the judgments are in a person. When he shifts his consciousness from, from Mocham Katnut to Mocham Katnut, what happens? Kel, a name of Hashem of Kel opens up. Wisdom awakens up for him. Mercy awakens for him. For example, let's say I'm, I'm, I'm in a situation, my, my business is struggling. I, maybe I'm, I, I'm, I have a I'm, I'm too nervous or I'm too, you know, I'm anxious about my business. I'm, I'm not putting my, my bitachon is not 100%. Okay, so that's a call to action. That's a call to action to do what? To give charity. So when you give the charity, you could no longer worry about why the business is not working. You're saying that was a call. I understand why I was so nervous because I lost my bitachon. Now I'm giving charity, regaining the bitachon, and then those thoughts no longer are in my head anymore. So you have done action in order to get there. Yes, you could do. Ch- it could be charity. It could be prayer. Something, but you cannot right. remain in mocham katnut. You have to right. know, name it to tame it. You have to notice the mocham katnut, and then you have to shift to mocham gadlut. Okay, so we we know that. Um, no, we had a. F- I just had a few more of the coaching sure, sure. ones. Take your time. Yeah. I'm, I'm not in a rush today. Go ahead. Okay. Okay. Great. Okay. So I wanted to time. know. Um, f- what coaching tips you give singles in order to gain clarity in their dating experiences? If you can give me a top a couple of top tips. What would I give? What would I give singles? There's so many. There's I know. So many. <laughs> What's something that stands out to you that you recently gave? I know every single has something else that they need clarity in, in some I way. Mean, the, the number one thing, obviously, when if there's two Jews, obviously, is getting the hottest starts end up with the coldest ends. The hottest starts have the coldest ends. When you get too physical in a relationship, people are more infatuated than in love. So that's the number one thing. Starving well, that's what you're saying. The hottest hearts have the coldest hands. Yeah. Hearts. Right. Okay. So very the number one thing is when you're meeting somebody, and I've got I help I get wedding invitations all the time. First thing I tell them, stop getting so physical. Because according to the, the Ari, according to the Zohar, that's an area where a person can lose a zavuk. 
when there's too much physicality. So I got married with my wife and we met, we were married in 45 days. Because it's not, you, when, if you get physical, it's the beginning of the, the beginning of all problems. Okay? And this is where I've seen so much success and people get too physical, too physical, too physical. Right away, you have to, that has to be worked on, specifically with guys. Because what happens is with guys, if guys get spiritually cooled off, they're not going to commit to marriage. And if they could have the cake and eat it too, why would they buy it? So this is where guys, the number one thing, guys, spiritual cleansing. Um, another thing I would say, dating wise, because that also, again, that if you're in, if you're in the relationship as more of a, if it's more of like an infatuation, you think it's love, not really love. Sometimes it's just infatuation. You know, it's not love. You know, you're you're confusing endorphins for adrenaline. You know, so a lot of these. It's it's too much of the you know falling in love. You have to stand in love. It's more the, the, the mindset has to be more. This is a long long term picture. This is not just a falling in love, etc. Another thing I tell the guys: don't just go for the trophy wife. Get the wife that will help you get the trophy. Oh, that's great. Very, yeah, <laughs> that's a very, good one. Very important <laughs> that the, the wife should go there and become. And my wife is definitely taking me to the next level. Hundred percent. Um, she's supposed to help you. She's the Bina. So if the guy's just going for the cheerleader and he doesn't want to deal with the coach, because he's just he's not going to get the trophy. Because what happens is is he's not going to grow. And the the number one way we've been able to end up growing is by having somebody oppose us. So we have to have the resistance. It's the exit going to go exactly. So the sometimes people don't want to. Oh, I'm triggered by that person. People are. They're, they're pointing too much out and not pointing at each one. Instead of, again, another one, instead of looking for the one, you have to become the one. You know, become the one, not look for the one. Um, what more dating tips I have? I mean, I have Can you just expand a little bit on that? Um, instead of looking for the one, become the one. What is, what is yes. that look when like? Become, when you become the one, number one thing is you have to, many, you'll, you'll hear this a lot. Gedalia, please find me a guy I'm depressed. Okay. So, so why would I go punish my friend by telling him, I have a great girl for you. She's depressed. She's perfect for you. You understand? It's like telling somebody, do me a favor. I, I, have, a I have a great business partner, but right now he's in bankruptcy. Why, why would you introduce somebody to somebody who's bankrupt? What happens is when you go in there needy in a relationship, you become now, people have lost self-esteem, they become very needy and they become dependent on others for their happiness. So what happens when the love stops? You're finished. So it's very, very important. Fill your, fill your tank up. Go in there with simcha. Go in there with simcha, because when you go in with simcha, you're less likely going to make things about you all the time. But when you're not going, when you're not happy and you're, and you're going there with low self-esteem, I'm getting abused, I'm not loved, who are you speaking to, blah, blah, blah. It just becomes a CSI investigation. So healthy self-esteem is so important. And you have to do that by becoming the one, getting ready instead of just looking for the one. That's nice. That's like what we, yeah. we interviewed a, a rabbi and, and where he said, it's not about what you need. It's about what you're needed for. Remember, Rabbi Manus Friedman said that, right? <laughs> yeah. Who? He has different language. He's, he's yeah. Manus Friedman. Who said right? this? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, but he's, actually he's the rabbi actually person. said that to somebody. He, yeah. he said it in a different way. So this is more. This is more, I, I, this is more of a symptom language. You don't want to go in there as a taker. 
Um, because when you feel low self-esteem, you're just the center of attraction. You're, you're, it's all about you. So you can't give if it's all about you. And that's, that's the major difference. You become less needy. Right. You know, when we have low self-esteem, we become needy. We become codependent. We don't want to be codependent. We want to become givers. Can you become givers if you're codependent? No. You want to become a giver. And you can only do that raising yourself consciously, loving yourself, having compassion on yourself, et cetera. What advice would you give to people, let's say, who are already in relationships? What's, what, uh, what messages would you, would you share? A tip. Right. <laughs> yes, well, thanks, Rufka. Uh, if, <laughs> if marriage was only a tip, we, we, we would all be in... Um, I know. If, if we would be in a different way, a place right now. We, we need more than a tip. Yeah. Believe it or not, according to Rabbi Rush, that if you see something wrong in your spouse, again, or if you feel some kind of resentment, you should pray 15 to 20 minutes to only find good points in your spouse, to see the good in your spouse. You understand? Because when we are not in a good place ourselves, all we see is the negative in our spouse. And we, instead of appreciate them, all we see is the negativity. And they feel that also, by the way. So it's very, very important. When, when I see my relationship is hurting, is going the wrong direction, I go, I really, really crank up my prayer to see, let me only see the good points in my wife. Let me not see any ugliness in my wife. Let me see only the goodness in my wife. Let me see everything good that she does. Let me see how good. And again, whatever you focus on is what you see. And whatever you focus on in the wrong way is what you don't see also. Okay, so, so that's, that's a little bit different to what you said earlier. That when you're, something's bothering you, to, to emotionally just share it and then let it go. The, the fact that I, correct, but you are letting it go positive. The fact that you have, that you only see the negative in your spouse, that means there's a problem with you. Because I'm sure your spouse has done so many good things to you. Right? But right. you only remember what's not working. So that's because right now you're holding resentment. So you have to flip the switch and ask God to help you see only the good in that person. So which one would you do first? Let it um, share share, and let it go first, or pray? First you let it go. You let it go. And then you pray that you should change your focus. You're doing you should both change things. your focus. You should change your focus. Because again, the way we feel about ourselves is the way we treat others. That is the, that's 101, life 101. And when we feel better about ourselves, we, we let go back more. We're not so we're not so into ourselves, um, and that's huge. That's huge. Um, and the second, also, you have to. I would say this a lot, a lot of this I've seen. Um, also, you have to recognize that it's every every raise the bottom of your relationship. Don't raise the roof because when you have a bad fight, don't raise. You know, people tell you always raise the roof, raise the bottom. Okay, when you have a bad fight, you understand? Don't 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 think I'm going to get divorced, etc. Raise the bottom. What's the worst fight should be? You're not, you know, you don't talk for 30 minutes. You don't, you, you know, you don't do this. Not, God forbid, here when people have a fight, the whole thing's over. It's like so much catastrophe today. So raise, raise, I would say raise the basement. Your new low should be, okay, we don't talk for 30 minutes. You don't talk for six hours, four hours. Now we're not talking for two weeks. Because you you're going to get, you, you, we always have to go through the year in case of the Elliot. Um, that's another thing I've seen for relationships. So you're saying um, by raise the basement, meaning? That means whatever, we've all had arguments with our spouses and sometimes the wrong things have been said. 
right? And it just becomes catastrophe at the end of the year. So raise the bottom, raise the basement. Instead of, people always tell you raise the roof, raise the basement. That means on mm-hmm. the worst fight, it should be some kind of mutual respect that you don't go there. There's certain boundaries that you don't go there. You don't talk about divorce, you don't talk about this, you, don't, you know? There's a certain time limit for the argument to be over. You know, it's not a seven-hour opera, okay, et cetera. Um, for the men, obviously for the men, Reb Nachman tells us black and white that he tells us there are, there are, are, are quality of relationships and our quality of parnasa are very connected to a quality of prayer. So anytime that I see my parnasa, my shalom bayit and my parnasa off, because my prayer is off. So sometimes I'm, I'm looking more at the, at the spiritual connection. Well, that's Behind interesting things. way of looking at it. Yeah, I look at it much more differently. I don't look at it because once I start pointing fingers at my wife or pointing fingers at my business, I lost perspective. So I'll definitely go into, okay, what, how is my prayer? Am I focused? Am I on the phone too much? Is my head all over the place? And that's the area that I've seen uh, for guys taking responsibility. The other obvious is obviously no criticizing. Um, you know, you can't criticize, especially you can't criticize your wife, anything you criticize your wife, Kaddish. <laughs> and that's why Rabbi Nachman says a person has to be, a male has to be confident and have at the same time self-control. If he has confidence and self-control, then somebody, even if he has an argument, he's not going to make it about him. He has to be, somebody has to be the king and she has to be the, she has to be the moment. It's constantly going to change, constantly. Beautiful. I mean, good stuff. There's a lot to think about I, there. I, again, I, 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 the reason why I like the one liner so much is because people remember the one line and they'll remember the whole class on the one line. Yes, it's true. Well, it's a great, right. and you have really good ones. Yeah, people like short and just things that yeah. resonate. Yeah. Yeah. You, right. you had a really great quote on resistance. I heard on some other podcast. One minute, I have to look it up. What have you? What's your quote on resistance? Resistance is is basically telling you what you need to do. Yes. Resistance is exactly telling you what you need to do. That was your quote. Correct. That's exactly resistance. Is where, where does resistance come from? Fear. Right. The so thing that's really hard for you is the thing you've got to exactly lean into. Exactly what you need to do. Correct. Renachman's whole life was, it was very, Renachman was always in a very, very, his mood was very gloomy. He always had tremendous obstacles in anything he did. But the resistance is actually what causes, because what happens when you have resistance practically, you're supposed to, you're supposed to, anytime you have resistance, it's, it's teaching you, you got to turn it up, not give up. So when we have resistance today, sometimes we, we give up too easy. Instead of giving up, we need to be turning it up. Could you give can an I example? Tell you, yeah, can I give you an example that just, just happened to me this morning? To somebody, telling apologize to somebody. For example, okay. if I tell you, listen, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, why don't you apologize to that person? When you apologize, you're going to feel better. Forgive them, right? Forgiving, you're giving. And all of a sudden, no, I'm apologizing. So that's what you should be doing. Got it. But sometimes you think you're right. <laughs> that's why you need mental training. Right. You need a lot of mental training. I'm telling you, honest with you, I don't think specifically in Florida, you know, in New York, I see people are more into it. They, they, they're more into this stuff. Florida, people are just... It's way too comfortable here for people. Yeah. It's Sunny, just not, the palm not, trees, not. the palm trees, the ocean. Um, yeah. And like another example too would much. be. It's too comfortable. It's too, it's, it's not good because at the end of the day, you become 
cold and dry and it's there it has to be more fire right well i'll tell you like that's a bit like this is resist was resistance for me it wasn't easy for me i'm coming from australia and i had to get used to living in new york and kind of pushing past that wow. and and appreciating the good that's in new york and just making a life for myself i'm saying this is just a whole lifetime but i'm saying mm. that was resistance for me that was like kind 100%. of leading into the resistance 100% yeah but um, something just small that happened to me today was that we're at the boxing gym and I hadn't done this in a while. And I always have this fear when there's those very tall boxes that you have to kind of jump onto. Right. And, right. and I hadn't done it in a couple of months. And this always happens to me when I restart that kind of thing. And I said to my trainer, I don't know what it is, but I, I can't do this jump. And she said, you can, it's just a mental block. And I was thinking, right. I had just heard your quote about resistance. And I had also just learned that Maimu, the, the, the Rebbe says that Hashem appreciates when you actually push past something that you feel that's not you. And right. I did the jump and I couldn't believe that I did the jump. <laughs> Amazing. But it's it, that's why I'm, I'm a big fan of people going to work, working out because it, it teaches you it's the same thing. It's a spiritual and the gym is the same thing. It's yeah. always that hesitation. That anxiety. Yeah. It, people need to be in shape. People have to be in shape mentally, spiritually. It's a whole concept. Otherwise we Listen, otherwise we turn to, you know, people are turning to weed for pain. Everybody's just running away from pain. And this is not what we're supposed to be. We're not supposed to be weak. We're supposed to be warriors, not warriors. Warriors. Right. Okay, yeah. Love that. Yeah. That's also a good Warriors, one. not warriors. Is that exactly. your line? Is that your quote? I've heard that from many people. Yeah, never heard that one. Did yeah. you, Ida? Um, there, I think there was a JLI course that's was called from warrior to warrior oh, exactly. maybe that's but that is. i just it brings a bell but it's uh yeah exactly. well if anyone can share about um leaning into pain and and growing from that it's you so you know we really uh appreciate you sharing your amen, tools amen. and your God story you we wanted to do a little something with you where you finish the sentence for us sure, sure. um it'll be in the first person for you so sure. Okay, the best business advice I received is? Fail fast, fail often. Okay, the best relationship advice I received is? Don't take things personal. Good. <laughs> I attribute my business success to? Giving charity. Beautiful. The best thing I've done for my personal growth is? Surrender. We always end our, our episodes with a quote. So do you have a quote uh, or parting message that you love or that resonates with you? Mm. The be I, I think the best thing, I think I wrote the other, the, be the, kind, the best thing you could do for the world is be compassionate to yourself and find the good points in yourself because this is the way you're going to treat others. And remember that we could do better, but we're still good enough. You could do better, but we're still good enough. Wonderful. 